You ever wonder why we're here? To unzip our flies. Wait. And re-zip them? Yes. <laughs> because that's how time works. <laughs> to RVB Recall, where we have a really, really good time coming up with openings. (laughs) It's been interesting so far, and we've only been here for less than two minutes. We are talking about Red vs. Blue, Season 17, Episode 8, Finally. As in, we're finally talking about it, or the episode name? Both. Just both. Yeah, I am Katie Cullen. I'm Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we have way too much fun here, as you will see later on when we try, when we spend way too much time attempting to translate something that was on screen for maybe 10 seconds at most. So let's get right into this. We, we have the promised apology to Donut that Wash sent everyone off to make last episode. And, um, I love how terrible all of these apologies are, except for Carolina, because Carolina has actually had to learn how to make an apology that sticks and everyone else continues to be true to themselves. Well, and Carolina's big apology came uh, not, I don't think it was the last episode, but the episode before. Uh, yeah, that's where her big apology came from. So apologizing to Donut isn't that big of a deal for her. Um But yeah, these are some really bad apologies. But what I like about them is that even though they're bad apologies, they're sincere, which is what I thought was going to be lacking. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure Sarge was sincere when he said, accept my apology or I'll punch you in the face. (laughs) I mean, he meant it, I'm sure. But that's still, it's Sarge being Sarge. And so we hit upon the idea of your words are worthless, which, yeah, yeah, you should apologize via action. Okay, what if we apologize by fixing time? That's, that's doable. That's doable. A lot of this episode was talking and a lot of it was going around in circles regarding time travel and what it is and how to do it and miscommunication and a lot of really solid writing, but also a little hard to recap sometimes. Yeah, we get we come across that quite a bit um, in exposition-heavy episodes, not just for Red versus Blue or even for Ruby, but like extending out to a lot of things. There are uh, a lot of times when we'd be talking about like Attack on Titan and all that happened in the episode was talking and it's like, wow, how are we supposed to talk about this? Um, so, but what I appreciate about all of this dialogue is like you said, it's really well written. And two, um, I always appreciate whenever anybody lays out the rules for time travel and that's very much what they're doing because you you need to lay out this base before everybody gets separated and that's exactly what they do is they they lay out the rules they come up with a metaphor uh to to put it into layman's terms in terms of like illustrating how what they're about to do is going to fix everything and then they come up with a meeting place uh to reconvene at 
after they go on their various adventures. And I do appreciate that we got a little bit more of the details here with no we can only go up and down the actual timeline we can't go up and down this splinter timeline that we've created once we jump back you're going to lose washington carolina they're going to be off doing their own thing at this point in time hence the meeting place the the day the dinosaurs attacked the day after (laughs) like yeah no that's that's legit and also filling in sister during the you're during the I'm not a cop moments because that is one of the only times that those two are alone together. Probably better for Wash's sanity. One of my favorite lines in this entire series is good luck with the base and your raging insanity. <laughs> good luck being a cop, cop. Sister is a treasure trove that just keeps on giving whether you like it or not. She She's wonderful and I'm very glad that she's back. And at some point, we also have to fill in Lopez as he is a bodiless head at this point. Like, these years were rough for Lopez. And I'm like, Donut, Donut, you just got hit by it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so we do a little bit of the rules of time travel. We jump back 10 minutes and Donut is under a pelican. Tucker is recovering from childbirth, which, yeah, 10 minutes ago in this timeline was maybe not great. And we're just going to send Church to bed because it's a tough time for Church, too. And he's just done. He's just done with all of this right now. But who we get back are Caboose and Huggins. And this this reunion between Griff and Huggins, this back and forth, is peak red versus blue. And it made me laugh, and I loved it so much because it's just Griff going, you're here, I missed you, bring it in. And Huggins going, I hate you, you're an asshole, you broke time. Just <laughs> This exchange is wonderful. Seeing her turn bright red and go, I'll kill you, was just absolutely beautiful. It wasn't the... It wasn't the reunion I was expecting because honestly, I thought Griff was going to have to wrestle with the possibility that she was dead for a little bit longer. And I think that's why he comes on so happy in this moment. Not only did he miss her, but like there was that anxiety that she was gone. So I I really loved this reunion because, yeah, I think peak red versus blue is the perfect way to describe it. Yeah, this this was fun. And I do appreciate Caboose knowing what's going on. And be like, Tucker points out, are we sure that we're in the right timeline? Because Caboose and, Caboose and Donut are calling the shots. And, oh, thank you for noticing my assertiveness. I have been working on it. Like, just, I love it. I love it so much. I hope that a good chunk of the rest of this season is the rookies, Caboose and Donut, teaming up and basically taking point to fix the universe because that I like if you had asked me even last season whose journey is it going to be in the next season to set everything right Donut and Caboose would not have been my guesses I would have stuck with Griff and Tucker because they were the ones with the biggest hand in fucking it up last season but no I I really liked it and if you consider Wash to be his team's rookie as well that depends on the context you put him in. But yeah, all of this was team-ups I was not expecting and absolutely love. Team rookie for the win. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Wash, Donut, and Caboose. I need... Okay, okay. Need that shirt. I need that shirt. I need that fan art, guys. I'm making a call out there. Give me fan art of the rookies kicking ass. Yes. 
or just, you know, cut together a video because we have plenty of footage of all of them kicking ass, actually. <laughs> Especially after 17 seasons, we definitely have that. I do appreciate the explanation of re-zipping time, essentially. Like, thinking we have to go through and we have to relive our lives exactly just to make sure, and Huggins pointing out, no, I'm, I'm light, I travel really quickly, I'll tell you where the issues are, I'll tell Caboose, he'll travel back to here, and then you can just do targeted shots instead of reliving years and years and years. The level of salt from Huggins is amazing in this episode because as she's pointing all of that out, you can definitely hear in her head just going, you're dumb. You're all dumb. You're so, so dumb. And so her ability to like hop back and forth through time and, you know, because she's a higher being, uh, that is invaluable in this moment. And you get that level of gratitude from Griff of like, there was so much work we would have had to do. Thank you for saving us so much bullshit. You're the best friend ever. I hate you. I appreciate Huggins just being utterly beyond done in this season. She just, she's absolutely finished with all of this. Fuck all y'all. Fuck this shit. She's out. Except no, she's in and she's going to make sure that things get fixed. I just adore this. This is hysterical to me. The level of sass is so, so entertaining. And yet she's still adorable. And I think that's what makes it such a fun combination. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's still sweet, cute little Huggins, but she's ready to murder a man. And that's wonderful. And I, I again, talking about the dialogue in this episode, her going like, I can't stay mad at you forever. And then going, no, 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 I literally can't. You broke time, you dummy. But ultimately, she leaves them with going, bye, I love you. <laughs> like, it it's so cute. It's so, so, so adorable. Um, but yeah, uh, to talk about what you were talking about, the, the zipper metaphor was the perfect way of putting it in layman's terms, not only for the reds and blues, but also for us, the audience, because it's so easy to lose track of the rules of time travel, um, especially when it starts to get into... Because I don't know about you, I don't think I've ever seen a time travel story quite like this. Usually it's either time's a set line or you've created an AU and you have to figure out a way to fix that, like Back to the Future, um, Back to the Future 2. Uh, or Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where time's a straight line and, like, you participate in the past when you go back into it. Now, this, what's going on here is kind of, like, jump because you're trying to, like, stop various AUs from existing. Like, that's interesting to me because I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen a time travel story where people were trying to fix multiple branches in the timeline all at once. But I think that's part of what makes this so fun to watch is we saw how things went down, we saw how things got this way, and then we have a very straightforward premise laid out for us and okay, this is how we fix it. And so we start getting into the rezipping of time and yeah, no, that metaphor is great because everyone has dealt with the zipper that's off its tracks and it's the worst thing especially when you're wearing the garment in question, or when it's your backpack and it breaks and spills your school books everywhere. Have you ever had a zipper problem where 
you know, you tried doing the, okay, I'm going back and then going forward. And then as you go back, like what I, what I'm, <laughs> the worst thing in the world is when you start to go back and it unseems from both ends. And so no matter what you do, like there's nothing, <laughs> you can't zip up anything anymore. It just goes along this track and it doesn't stay together. And no matter which way you, you turn it, this zipper is done. I've had backpacks do that. That sucks. Backpacks and tents for me. Have you ever had it happen with a tent? Not great. <laughs> Yikes. So here's hoping that doesn't happen to uh, our reds and blues. because, And I'm sure we'll hit that terrifying climax eventually. We are barreling towards the end of this season. But for now, we have a couple of moments where they have to go back and rezip. And we start with Sarge and that moment where he deletes the blues from the command computer. And just Sarge loving time travel is a thing that I have really appreciated this season and this past season. Just, he loves time travel. He has so much fun. He enjoys it. And then, this is the greatest day of my life. And of course, Genkins tries to prevent the blues from being deleted, and that doesn't work because, you know, if your computer freaks out, just unplug it and plug it back in again. You know, turn it off and on again. This is tech support saying, no, seriously, that shit works. Do it. It's what I'm currently doing with my computer right now. <laughs> um, I loved this moment because, again, I... I I've said it time and time again, season six is my favorite. So any moment we get to revisit from season six is always a delight to me. And this moment in particular is hilarious. Um, but it's great, not only because they're able to just sort of unplug Genkins and be like, bye. Um, and then that's problem solved. But Sarge gets to relive this moment again and again and again, just for his own gratification before having to move on. And I wanted to know, is there any moment in time where if you could go back to relive it on a loop a couple times, would, like, is there any moment in your life where you'd do that? Boy, I'd need time to think about that shit. I don't know. Again, I'd need time. I got 30 years of that to sift through here. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the other thing we get during this moment that I appreciate a lot is on that deleted screen... In the bottom right corner, there's a thing that says message from the underscore director. And it looks like it's written in Latin. And I'm starting to think that's not the case. My initial guess when when you pointed this out to me, um, granted, I wasn't looking at the words themselves, but when you said it looks like Latin, the first thing that came to my mind was actually that it was a cipher. Yeah, doing an entire cipher would have been a lot for the art team to have to put together. However, you know, this is red versus blue. This is rooster teeth. They've done stuff like that before. They've put little Easter eggs for people to find. They've put, I mean, they know people on the internet are taking screenshots of moments just like this. So it wouldn't have surprised me if it was in fact a cipher that Gravity Falls style, you could have un- like, you could have deciphered with the right key. See, and my first thought was, looks like Latin. And my second thought was, well, it doesn't really look like lorem ipsum. Because I'm, 
I'm kind of at the point where I've been, I have a friend who teaches Latin and I've been friends with her for a chunk of time and definitely seen the inside of her classroom more than once. And I've also seen lorem ipsum more than once and used it. And for those of you going, what? Lorem ipsum is a nonsense language that's basically generated to fill spaces in text. So if you see like a newspaper mock-up or it's if you use any program like Microsoft Publisher or whatever, they will fill the text blocks with lorem ipsum to show you what it looks like when there's text in those spaces. So it's nonsense generation that looks a little bit like Latin, but always starts with lorem ipsum dolor est. So, yeah, I've, I've gotten fairly good at spotting lorem ipsum and differentiating. Differ differentiating, that's the word, and differentiating it from Latin. So I thought that this was Latin, and then I plugged it into Google Translate, <laughs> and boy, was this a thing. It, Google Translate didn't really know what to do with it. So this message from the director, the three sentences that we get to see of it, says, you can limit the homework ever since the first EU inconsistent with any work since the corper to make of evil on me and accuse nor now Amber. Okay. What's the director doing talking about homework in the European Union? I think this is one of those things where either it was actually supposed to be Latin and this is too many shades of Google. We used to do this with Babelfish, where you take a normal English phrase, not even like an idiom or something ridiculous, just a normal English phrase, you throw it into Babelfish and you translate it to, say, Japanese, something with a completely different language structure. And then you take what it gives you from Japanese and throw it back into Babelfish and translate it into English and see what you get because shit is bananas. And it's... It was always a lot of fun just to be like, all right, what ridiculous noise am I going to get today? And it feels like we've done this. Like they might have tried for something in Latin and instead just run it through a translator. And so trying to run it back through the translator to get something, it's not quite working because Latin, just pure, straight Latin, has sets of rules and is a slightly more complicated language than most of your romance languages. Your French, your German, your English kind of. So <laughs> English isn't necessarily a romance-based language so much as it is just something that does whatever the hell it wants. It's this linguistic chimera <laughs> and it's one of the hardest languages to learn if it's not your primary language. Yeah, we made up dumb rules. <laughs> sorry to anybody who has to learn it. I'm sorry, we made up dumb rules. <laughs> And I don't know who initially did this quote, but I've seen it around more than once. And it's English is a language that beats up other languages in alleyways and rifles through their pockets for spare vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's true. And, we, and our language, everyone's language changes so much, and English especially. So yeah, so linguistic translation is bonkers. So I put it on Twitter to try to crowdsource. And Dan Cooper replied with, I got to the way you planned since the newspaper shrink and gave up. Sorry. <laughs> Which is beautiful. And also possibly the name of a new Fallout Boy song. Wait, no, that would be Panic at the Disco. <laughs> Definitely Panic at the Disco. And uh, Daft, who haven't heard from you in a while. Hi, Daft. 
wrote back, look like it's some edited lorem ipsum text, nothing readable. They did write lorem epsilon at one point, so that's funny, which was probably, I took a screen cap from one specific angle, and it's possible that there was more that could be seen from another angle, but yeah, no, lorem epsilon is pretty great. And then, yeah, I crowdsourced on another social network and uh, just kind of had friends going, well, this looks weird, and that's not quite a word, and it probably is lorem ipsum, and then had another friend tag someone who speaks like eight languages, including Latin, so I can't wait for her to get back to me and see what she says. Just like, where did you find this? What the hell is it? And why did you put it in my eyeballs? <laughs> I haven't texted it to my friend, the Latin teacher yet, because I feel like that's the nuclear option because she's not into red versus blue. <laughs> and I just, I'm not sure I want to answer those questions. But this has been... A beautiful little detour in this moment because this is what Rooster Teeth does. They just put in stuff like that and wait for the fans to shove our faces into it and theorize wildly, which you're welcome. I love how much time we've devoted to this in this episode of RVB Recall. I absolutely adore that. Before we move on to our next point, let's take a time out for a word from our sponsor. RVB Recall is sponsored by Fred's BS, Breads and Spreads by Fred. Fred's BS is an L.A. local one-man baked goods business that offers unique flavors in small batches. Whether you're looking for homemade jams, brownies, blondies, or brown sugar buddies, the best cookies you've ever had, Fred's BS can provide. All products are made in small batches with fresh ingredients, nothing is ever frozen, and Fred provides a plethora of flavors that can't be found in stores, like the aforementioned brown sugar buddies or his strawberry peach paradise sunrise jam. Also, if you're L.A. local, you can choose pickup instead of delivery and get your goods even sooner. Head to fredsbs.com and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. That's fredsbs.com, F-R-E-D-S-B-S.com, and coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM. Fred's BS, treat yourself because you deserve it. I also love looking at the Google Translate looking at the Google Translate and seeing the word homework and thinking about what kind of class Dr. Leonard Church would teach and what sort of internal emails he'd send to other teachers and to the principal. And what I'm saying to you, Katie, right now in this moment is that I want the high school AU where the director is a teacher. One, you say this like I haven't already been reading the college AU that someone else is writing. Two, it absolutely exists. And three, we're going to roll it back around to canon where they he was actually teaching AI classes to the freelancers. <laughs> that happened. That was a thing. I do have a memory of I feel like it was York falling asleep in one of those classes. That was actually the point where we caught to see Wash without his helmet and everyone kind of went, he's blonde? Because <laughs> we saw the back of his head and nothing else and everyone just kind of, what? This this is incorrect with literally everyone's head cannons and also the art that we've had. Uh, What? What? His hair changed color after the whole Epsilon thing. <laughs> Um, but like, I don't know, that seems more like military base than here's your homework. Like, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about college professor. And I didn't realize you were reading a college, a college AU for red versus blue. Um, if you want to just like send that to me, uh, that sort of thing isn't normally my cup of tea, but right now I kind of want it. RVB fandom is really 
really good at its AUs, okay? Like, really, really good at them. They've, we've spent this episode trying to fix all of these little breaches in time and all of these little places they've splintered off. Fandom is just like, okay, yeah, I see where canon is going, but what if instead we do this? And what if instead we do that? And, God, I think it was a few episodes ago we were talking about Merc Wash and what could have been. And now I am definitely not the only person who's come up with that. Yeah, very recently, I believe it's uh, Secretly Stephanie Brown on Tumblr wrote an incredible Murkwash AU that I shoved my face into and have gone back and reread several times because her writing is amazing. And she's really good at this, okay, I see your canon, but what if this sort of stories? And they're fun. And she hurt me. And I love it. She's good at this. So yeah, no. Fan RVB fandom is really creative when it comes to stuff like this. And it's super fun to be a part of that. What if stories in general are really fun? Like, even if, like, you don't need an official, like, there, I'm just thinking of, like, all the reboots and remakes of a lot of stuff going on. And what if stories are a lot of fun? And we don't necessarily need an official what if story for everything. Captain America being a Nazi, I'm looking in your direction. Um, but they're really fun thought exercises for fandom to go into. And yeah, sometimes they can be a lot of fun when we get official official stuff like that in the comics and things like that. Uh, there are exceptions, obviously. But yeah, Red versus Blue, all of the what ifs that, you know, this is a series that's been going on for, it's in its 17th season. Yeah, there's a lot you can run with. It's a good time. I will say one of the big issues with Hydra Cap is they tried to make it canon canon whereas for superman they're like communist superman they straight up went this is an elseworld story called red sun this isn't canon we're just having fun and red sun is absolutely amazing another elseworld story is pirate batman and another one is batman in the time of edgar Allan poe both of which are wonderful and you should read them talking about what ifs into the spider-verse is yes. is basically that <laughs> what if spider-man were from the 1940s and oh man i mean again what if stories can be a lot of fun and yeah into the spider-verse i think is an excellent an excellent example of all of those what if stories coming together and it's great voiced by nicholas cage and john mulaney um we should probably go back to the other zipping ups of time <laughs> We have Griff. All right. Who's got the Gankins? Who's got the Gankins? And it winds up being Andy refusing to explode because it's Gankins. Now we got an Xbox up here. I think we'll just chill. And I'm like, oh, hello, product placement. I see you. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't product placement, but, you know, Halo. Technically, this whole series is product placement, if you think about it. Technically, this whole series is sanctioned fan fiction. It's just gone a very, very long way. But it is absolutely sanctioned fan fiction. And they built a company on it. Yeah, technically speaking, Red versus Blue is a what if <laughs> Look, it's our weird ass Halo fan fiction and you built a company on it. And what I'm basically saying is live your dreams <laughs> because you never know. Follow your heart, everybody. Chase your passion. Chase your bliss. Make fan productions. You'll never know. Instead of Andy blowing up the ship, 
Griff has to do it because Gankins is being Andy right now and refusing. Gankins pretending to be Tex, making fun of church. You are the ghost of a weird dude who made the robot equivalent of a body pillow. <laughs> oh my god, I howled the first time I heard that. That may be the best insult in all of Red versus Blue. Like, all of it. 17 seasons. I think this one wins i think you win for best insult sick burn against church and the director and tex oh man it's like a triple burn it's one of those ones where you sit here and go it's really really funny because it's true and also it's painful because it's a little too true like yikes so, of course, it would take someone like Gankins to say it. Yeah, it's, again, it's the sickest of burns, but it hurt me, <laughs> too. Because, again, I love church and I love text. And so it's like, oh, ow. He burned the director. He burned church. He burned text. He burned the audience. He just kind of burned everyone. Just raise it to the ground. <laughs> then again, that is what Gankins is trying to do with all of time so you know raising it to the ground is not really outside of his style if there's one red versus blue character that can burn everything to the ground with just his words it's gonna be Genkins. if we add in actions i'd put o'malley up there <laughs> actual o'malley not not o'malley traitor abandoned by his god you could just call me doc that's a runner-up for sick burn. <laughs> that's an, another sick burn in this episode. Although that's a little bit of the pot calling the kettle black donut. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. This is absolutely just like, could you, could you, maybe don't. Maybe, you d maybe, ne mm, nope. So we have fun time sick burns, Laura Mipsum pretending to be Latin, and then we get to Tucker. And the bit that Tucker has to fix crash site bravo the day the reds and blues lost and he comes to at the moment that locus is saying surrender and i'll only kill the merc pointing at felix so we are looking at i believe late season 11 here and it's just you have to go into this and make it play out and save felix knowing what you know about felix that is the worst and this is such an excellent moment for tucker to have to relive um because yeah it's not a trial in the same way that uh sarge and griff are sort of having to undergo they're just they're just sort of having to like i kind of equate it to they're just having to do a chore to like tidy up Sarge is having the best day of his life. This is not a chore. This is a grand old time for him. And even Tucker, or uh, even Griff is having a lot of fun by going, <laughs> by getting, being able to get revenge on Tex for something she hasn't done yet. Um, but Tucker, yeah. And we, you know, we, we've talked in the past before about how Tucker really needed to step it up in the last couple of seasons because he became a leader and then lost Epsilon and sort of took a few steps back, which is a completely understandable character progression. Sometimes regressing as a character is an understandable action in the wake of their circumstances. I get it. I know a lot of people don't agree with me. You're making a face at me right now. I get it. <laughs> 
we all know what my opinions on certain decisions over the past couple seasons have been. And you know what? We've got a couple of after shows and some reaction videos to talk about that if you want to see those in depth. For now, we're talking about this episode. Because it messes with your tuckington ship. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, I completely understand why a lot of people weren't on board with that. But I also completely understand not being where you're supposed to be in life. I get it, Tucker. I get it. Um, so I never really had as big of a problem with it as a lot of other people did. But, and and to me, this is kind of the perfect way for him to have to step it back up again because his refusal to step up caused Wash to get hurt in the first place and then, you know, having to go back and fix it and... It's, it's one of those things that I, I get where Tucker's arc is going. And coming back to this moment in particular, these were the mo- this was the moment where he first stepped up, you know, and because this is when Wash got kidnapped and, like, it was up to Tucker to have to fill that leader role. So going back to this moment, and again, no having to find out, you know, that... Felix was a, a bad guy all the time deceiving them that was a, a monumental thing for him to discover so going back to this moment where he had to save that person oh man like this is good storytelling this is good drama this is a good way to drive up the stakes and all I think all all of us wanted to do like the second we found out Felix was evil was punch that mofo in the face just just eat him off a cliff it's fine just and I think that actually I made jokes about he needs to be thrown off a cliff and then he died because of a long fall on a on a short stop so still proud of past Katie for that one but yeah no you find that out about Felix and it's just like bye <laughs> I think when we were watching this episode and um <laughs> He's like, I'll only kill the mercenary. I think I might have yelled out loud, kill him, which is not helpful. That would have just created another paradox. Yeah, but it would have been so, so good. And then you can just bump back a couple seconds earlier and fix it. Like, you know, I would not be surprised to see Tucker let it happen once or twice. Like, I'd like to think at this point that he's gotten his shit figured out and that he's going to be able to step up and get this done. But man, would it be satisfying just to be like, okay, kill him and see what happens because these two are partners and that's immediately calling his bluff. Think about that one for a minute. Can't you imagine if Tucker, while Felix has his back to him, just shoots him in the leg? <laughs> like, okay, there you go. Take him. <laughs> it's also fun going back. Like, I like the Mercs a lot. Um, I loved the one-off uh, little trilogy we got with them in the anthology season. I I love their dynamic with one another. Uh, so it's nice seeing them again, too, even if Felix is a goddamn little shit. It's fun going back to, to seeing Locus at this point as well, because he's also come such a long way. They're terrible. It's great. I love it. It's so much fun going back and rewatching these seasons, knowing what's going on. It's, a, it's like watching Scream after you know who Ghostface is. <laughs> you go back and you watch all of these moments and go, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I get this. 
yeah, you go back and you watch it and you're like, oh, snap, what good foreshadowing. Because Red versus Blue, much like Scream, all the clues are there, but they are arranged in such a way that the first time through, odds are you're not going to pick up on it. They're there, but you don't have the context to put them together. Whereas you go back after the reveal and rewatch and go, how did I miss all of this the first time? Well, you didn't have the context. And knowing what's going on means there's double meanings in so much of what's happening. So, yeah, definitely worth going back and watching seasons 11 and 12 and 13 again. And also go and watch Scream if you haven't. Yeah, it's... I always appreciate something like that where it's well constructed enough that you watch it and you go back to it and yet there is all that meaning and context that you never picked up on the first time through. I always appreciate any any work that allows you to do that and have it be even more satisfying upon a rewatch or a reread because you have that additional context. So yeah. Anyway, but imagine if that was your life. Imagine, again, if mentally speaking, you could go back and like, you know, just by thinking about a particular moment, you could go back to it and be and actually relive something where you're like, oh, man, because how many points in your life do you go? I wish I had known then what I know now. Imagine what that's like for Tucker right now. See, for some of those, I think about it and then I'm like, okay, but if I had done that, then would I still be here now? And the answer is usually, nah, nah, probably not, nah. So I'm good with most of that, even the dumb shit, because I've definitely got some dumb shit going on back there in the past. And you know what? Got some dumb shit going on right now, but here we are and we'll see how that goes. That's why it's good to learn from your mistakes because we don't have time travel to fix things. And even if we did... <laughs> it's not fixing things. Yep, you wouldn't be who you are now. You know, I think that's actually a pretty good place to end that one. Did you think about what moment you would go back to and relive? No. I can think of lots of like Disneyland trips I'd go back and relive. Because my past is expired now and I want to go back. <laughs> yeah, probably going on my birthday, getting a light cycle painted on my face, getting buzzed at Electronica, and then going across the way to ride Space Mountain while buzzed. <laughs> uh, oh, Crush 40 concert. Oh, dang. <laughs> yep, that one. Crush 40 in concert. Um, I saw Aerosmith live a couple, uh, a while ago. That would be fun to revisit. Um... Uh, Crush 40's higher up on my list. <laughs> <laughs> well, a Crush 40 concert is arguably rarer than an Aerosmith concert. It definitely is. Um, Star Wars Celebration is always a good time. There are lots of moments in my life where I'm like, yeah, that would be fun to go back <laughs> to memory lane. But the thing is, so much of these moments are the first time you experienced it when it's novel, your first time seeing this movie that you love, your first time reading this book that you love. But if you go back and experience it, you go back with the knowledge of what it is. And so that novelty of that first experience is gone. True story. It's a different experience the, the next time around. Yeah. So yeah, what we're getting at is live your life, love yourself, have a good time, fix the environment. <laughs> you can't go back, so keep moving forward. Yes.
And on that note, I think we're going to call it for this one. I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I am also in a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Link and I talk about Lost. He loves Lost, and I don't. And we discuss. And I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. I am also on an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast called On The Point, where my co-host and I discussed Overwatch League. And it is, uh, it's been pretty wild, you guys. It's been pretty bonkers. So if you want match recaps and jokes about the meta and ridiculous things going on in fandom, that is a good time. RVB Recall is only one of the podcasts that the Rooster team does. We have Gen Lockdown. If you've listened to Gen Lock and you want to go to After Show for that, check that out. We have one for Ruby. We have Camp Camp. And we've got a few other things in the pipeline, so keep an eye out on that. That is all on anchor.fm slash the Rooster team. Good times there. You can support us there. You can also support our sponsor because supporting our sponsor supports us. So head over to fredsbs.com, F-R-E-D-S-B-S.com, and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM, team with an M, for 20% off your entire order. Also, be sure to check out the Public, which is Rooster Team, the Twitter, which is Rooster Team, the YouTube channel, which is the Rooster Team. Like, guys, there's a branding thing going on here. Google the Rooster Team and you will find us in all of our various places. So be sure to check all of those out. And thanks for listening. We'll see you in the Everwin. Mm-hmm.